beginning with verse 17. Now from Miletus, he, and he being Paul, sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. And when they came to him, he said to them, You yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews. How I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to Jews and Greeks of repentance towards God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now, behold, I am going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. But I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I have received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And now behold... I know that none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. Therefore I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all of you. For I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Let's pray. Almighty God, I do pray for your wisdom and for your help. As we have read this portion of your word, help me to proclaim it. And I pray that you would apply it to the hearts of these hearers. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, here's what's happening. Uh, In Acts chapter 20, verses 17 through 27. Remember how at the beginning, or rather in Acts chapter 19, how Paul had been in Ephesus. He spent about three years there. And uh, for, for two years, for over two years at that time, he had rented out the lecture hall of Tyrannus. And he would um, proclaim God's word to God's people day after day. Uh, Some people believe that he would teach uh, for about five hours a day. And then the believers would then go out, after having been instructed by Paul, would go out and tell their neighbors, their friends. And then they would go even from Ephesus to the surrounding cities. And this great revival broke out in Ephesus. And just before he left, there was this riot. And then he ended up leaving Ephesus, going to visit the different churches, uh, sending letters ahead of him, asking uh, them to take up the collection. So he spent time going around to the churches, taking up the collection. And now he's headed back to Jerusalem. But on his way back to Jerusalem, um, from Miletus, he sent a letter ahead to the elders in Ephesus and said, I'll be docking here for, my ship will be docking here. Uh, Come out and meet me. And they came out to meet him. And he reminded them, reminded the elders of Ephesus of what was most important. 
He also told them something that will become very important as we continue to move through Acts. He told them that they will never see his face again and that he will suffer persecution and may even lose his life uh, for the gospel's sake. And we'll see how true that was as we move through chapters 21 through 28. Uh, However... He not only tells them that, he says, here is what is most important. The proclamation of God's word. He says in verse 27, in conclusion, uh, that I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. The reason why he emphasizes this is he knows how profitable it is for God's people to be well instructed, to be well grounded in God's Word. He knows that God's Word indeed is profitable. And so he says in verse 20, I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house. There's a strong emphasis on teaching that characterized Paul's ministry, that characterized all the apostles' ministry. That is why we uh, emphasize teaching the Word of God here at Westminster Presbyterian Church. This is why I, uh, why I preach through a book of the Bible rather than just taking little snippets here and there from, from wherever. Because I want you to, be, to understand as far as possible the whole counsel of God. It also is a help to me. It keeps me from riding the little hobby horses. keeps uh, me from hitting the themes that I want to hit over and over and over again because I let God's Word shape the message. That's why we have in Sunday school, um, typically Sunday schools that uh, teach... Uh, books of the Bible. That's also why we keep, have a strong commitment uh, to theology because we want you to have an outline as to how to to think God's thoughts after Him, to take God's Word and have have a, a logical way to understand His Word. I mean, this is... Um, I think about in, in this particular Bible about 1,100, well, 1,010 pages of small print, no pictures. That's a lot of information. How are you going to take all that information and and uh, and 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 make it useful? Well, we have a theology that reflects uh, as closely as possible, as closely as humanly possible, um, God's word. And so we want you to then understand that theology. And um, take it and make it useful. God's word is also, the whole counsel of God is also profitable because it centers in on Jesus Christ. Paul told the Colossians, We proclaim Jesus, admonishing every man with all wisdom that we may present every man complete in Jesus Christ. All the Word of God focuses in on Jesus Christ. 
He is the most important person that has ever walked, that has ever walked this earth. Because He was also God. 100% God, 100% man. He came here to earth. And He came with the express purpose of living a perfect life. Of dying a perfect death. And then rising from the dead gloriously. And in so doing, He purchased us for God. Secured our salvation. We belong to Him. The Word of God is profitable because it teaches us about Jesus Christ. Let that sink in for a second. Think about how important He is to you. It is so easy to take all these peripheral issues and put him ahead or put them ahead of him scriptures are profitable because they teach us about Jesus and the scriptures always because Jesus is the focus they always aim at you know, um, when it comes at us it aims at um, repentance towards God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Because the only way that we can have a relationship with Jesus Christ is entering through the doorway of repentance and faith. Let me say this. Repentance and faith contributes nothing to your salvation. Absolutely nothing. You could make it your goal every day to do nothing but repent and have faith. And it would make you no closer to Jesus Christ than the greatest unbeliever. Because it contributes nothing to your salvation. It is only the doorway through which we enter into the salvation with Jesus Christ. I may be overstating it, but what I'm trying to say, what I'm trying to make clear, is that Jesus Christ is our salvation. What He did on the cross, what He does in interceding for us, He is our Savior. It is not the act of faith. It is not... The repentance that is your salvation. It is very important. The scriptures always aim at, at, uh, at our repentance. Always aims at our faith in Jesus Christ. But they are simply the instruments through which we receive the Savior. Through which we receive our salvation. This is where the Roman Catholic Church got it so wrong since this is Reformation Sunday and turned our salvation upside down. They believe that what saved you was your religious acts, your communion, or or taking the Lord's Supper, the act of taking the Lord's Supper, or the act of of saying penance, or the act of, of of doing this or doing that. That is not what saves you. Jesus Christ is your Savior. But the Scriptures always aim at 
repentance towards God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Look at verses 20 and 21. Paul says, I, I, I did not shrink, in verse 20, from declaring to you anything that was profitable. I taught you in public and from house to house, testifying both to Jews and Greeks of repentance towards God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Because he was doing this because he knew that they needed Jesus Christ. See, mankind is not on trial. Mankind has already been on trial. Mankind has already been found guilty at the bar of God's justice. There is no pleading on man's part. No excuses that will be accepted. Um, It is a settled matter. God has declared all people guilty. We have already been declared guilty. No amount of repentance, no amount of faith will take that away. Only Jesus Christ and what He did on the cross is able to take that away. But we go to Him through that doorway of faith and repentance. Turning from our sins, turning to the Lord Jesus Christ. And He saves us. What does all this mean? What this means is that your salvation is a free gift that you cannot earn, that you could never deserve, that you could never make yourself worthy of. Look at verse 24. Paul summarizes the gospel here in this verse. But I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if I may only finish my course and the ministry I have received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. That word grace is God's free gift. And that's what our salvation is. That's what the Reformers rediscovered. That's what Martin Luther rediscovered. And just a little history of the Reformation, uh, in case you don't know. What was happening was the kings were bribing the popes, the pope bribing the kings... And the Pope was short of money because he had a great building project uh, taking place, building the Vatican, and was in debt. And so uh, he and uh, the, and uh, some of the kings decided, okay, well, what we'll do is we'll sell indulgences. We'll sell salvation. And so you could buy your relatives, friends, I mean, buy your relatives way out of purgatory by giving to the church. So they weren't taxing the people, they were manipulating the people. And there was a little saying, it rhymed in the Greek, I mean not the Greek, the German, I can't remember the German, but it rhymes in the English as well. When a coin in the coffer clings, another soul from purgatory springs. And Martin Luther was a young monk that began doing, of all things, studying the scriptures for himself. And he realized the scriptures did not teach the selling of indulgences. The scriptures taught that salvation is by God's grace alone. 
And so, on October 31st, uh, 1517, the young monk wrote out 95 grievances, the 95 theses, and went and nailed them to the church, to the church door in Wittenberg, and thus began the Reformation. He realized salvation is by God's grace alone. That all the outward stuff that we do does not earn for us salvation, does not take away our sins, does not make us worthy in God's eyes. It is by God's grace alone. So you take this Bible with this 1,100, I mean, 1,010 pages, small print, no pictures, and you summarize it in one little phrase. The whole counsel is, the whole counsel of God is summarized as the grace of God that is found in Christ Jesus our Lord. And yet, there are people in church service after church service this morning Missing Jesus Christ. And you have friends, neighbors, relatives, co-workers all around you. Missing Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is building His kingdom here on this earth it's not a government it's not a nation as we would think of nation building rather it is a spiritual kingdom and the apostle Paul in verse 25 equates the preaching of the gospel with the proclaiming of the kingdom he says and now behold I know that none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. So he makes this equation between the between the, the preaching of the gospel and the kingdom of God. And what this means for you is that the moment that you trust in Jesus Christ, you no longer are a citizen of this world. Your primary allegiance is to King Jesus, who is the king over the universe. Your relationship to this world, the Bible says, you become a pilgrim and a stranger here in this world. Our citizenship, the Bible says, is in heaven. And it's in heaven now. What is the gospel about? It is about Jesus Christ bringing glory and honor to himself through the proclamation of His glorious gospel. And through the proclamation of that glorious gospel, He is plucking people that are headed for hell to Himself. Plucking people. I'm so thankful He plucked me. So thankful He plucked, I hope, all of you. And you now belong to Him. What does all this lead to? What should we do with this gospel of our Lord Jesus? 
I know what it did for me. I know what it did for the Apostle Paul. And I know what it should do for us. Again, verse 24 tells us, I do not account my life as of any value nor as precious to myself. If only I may finish my course in the ministry I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. In other words, because you belong to God's kingdom, because you belong to Jesus Christ, what does this mean for your life? The Apostle Paul said he no longer accounts his life as of any value. He no longer counts his life as precious to himself. His goal now is to give himself away for Jesus Christ because he belongs to him. He knows that he has been bought and paid for by the precious blood of Jesus. He belongs to him. Let me ask you, do you belong to Jesus Christ today? Have you cast your faith into Him? Have you embraced Him as your Savior? In embracing Him, have you turned away from your sin? Because you can't embrace your sin and embrace Jesus at the same time. Yes, in embracing Jesus, you'll still be a sinner. You'll still struggle with sin. But if you have your arms locked around your sin, it is impossible for you to lock your arms in faith around Jesus. So do you belong to Him? And what difference does that make in your life? For the Apostle Paul, it meant that he lived his life for the proclamation of Jesus Christ. For me as a minister of the Gospel, it means I live my life for the proclamation of Jesus Christ. To some degree, whatever degree that is, That should be your mission here on earth as well. Because your life, as you belong to Jesus, should no longer be precious to you. It has value because Jesus Christ died for you. Let's pray. Almighty God, we thank you for your word that uh, proclaims Jesus Christ. It is staggering to us to think that for centuries the church basically had the Bible as a closed book, not understanding it, not teaching the people. And they turned salvation upside down. God, I pray. First of all, I thank you for turning it right side up for us. I thank you that we have the scriptures. But I still pray that none here this morning would find themselves outside of Jesus Christ or would be wearily and vainly thinking that they, by their goodness, they, by their religious works, can recommend themselves to you when Jesus Christ has done it all. And so I pray in His name. Amen.